What's up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the Team Turnbuckle Wrestling Podcast with your hosts, Keith Fleming and Ron L. Tinsley on the IB Sports Podcast feed. Before we start this podcast, I want to remind everyone that the IB Sports Podcast feed is available on iTunes, Spotify, and Anchor. Please be sure to subscribe to be notified of all new podcasts. We'd also love it if you would rate and review Please be kind. Five stars. Finally, you can follow IB Sports on Twitter and Instagram and also on Facebook. But like I said, I am your host, Keith Fleming. With me, as always, is my tag team partner extraordinaire, Ron L. Tinsley. Ron L., how you doing, buddy? Keith, I am doing fantastic. How are you, my friend? I am not bad. Uh, we apologize. There's been a little bit of a delay uh, in a podcast for the last week, and I know we have been doing two podcasts a week. One has been Raw and SmackDown. The other is AEW and NXT, but unfortunately, with work picking up for both of us, I also have the gambling podcast, the backdoor cover that we're doing weekly, and we want to be consistent in our content, and we just don't think we can continue doing the two podcasts. So we're going to change up the format. It's going to go back to weekly. Uh, we're going to discuss, uh, and we'll, we'll do it first today. It may evolve a little bit from here, but it's going to, you know, us going over some news stories that can include like actual news. It can include storylines, matches, and then we're going to every week pick a promo of the week from the four shows. And then also a who stole the show, uh, from each of the four shows. And then eventually we'd like to get into doing a mailbag uh, and we will lean on heavily the Team Turnbuckle podcast Facebook group for that. But having explained all that, Shanaz, Ronnell, you ready to get started? I'm ready to dance. All right, let's go off the top rope. The first story this week is The Undertaker kind of quietly officially retired uh, his documentary, The Last Ride, it ended last Sunday. It was a fantastic documentary. It really was. For those who have not watched it, you need to check it out. I was shocked by the insight that he gave. But he basically said, and I'm paraphrasing, that with the success of the AJ Styles match uh, from WrestleMania, the fact that he felt like that his character riding off in the dark, on his motorcycle, in victory, and the fact that he just has finally came to a point where he's happy outside of wrestling with his wife, Michelle McCool, his kids, uh, he is calling it quits. Now, in typical Undertaker fashion, he left the door open to return. I think he used the, you know, in case of emergency, break glass, uh, saying if Vince needed him, he, you know, he would obviously consider that. Having said all that, Ronald, do you think Taker is actually done? I really hope so. Um, I still remember watching that first time when he came out at the Survivor Series. And mind you, I was only a preteen, I believe. So Undertaker has been absolutely amazing for three decades. But yeah, it's, it's time to hang it up. Uh, those last couple of matches, especially that Goldberg one in Saudi Arabia. Really let the stale taste. It. Yeah, really let the stale taste in my mouth. As I'm sure, from what I've heard of the documentary, which you've told me to watch, and I, I promise I will. <laughs> yeah, 
I will get to watching it in its entirety. Um, but he, you know, you've said that he has a tendency to watch himself afterwards and he judges himself and looks like he judges himself almost as harshly as we, the fans do. And I'm happy that he's finally found it's a point where he can step away. Yeah. And it's, if you, when you watch the documentary, you see, it's almost like a vicious cycle with him. And, and it's funny, his wife talks about, it. I think a few superstars do that, you know, this is almost like his drug addiction uh, in the sense that he, you know, if, if he has a match and it's well, you know, he starts thinking, well, okay, maybe I can do this. And obviously that makes him want to keep going. And with him being a competitor and one of the all-time greats, if he has a bad match, which he admits the Roman Reigns match for Mania, the Goldberg match, the DX match versus the Brothers Destruction in Saudi Arabia, he doesn't want to go out that way either, which is totally understandable. So I, I, I am hopeful that with the fact that he seems really at peace with the AJ Styles match, the fact that if we're being honest, like the fact that it was edited – probably allowed him, you know, and more of a cinematic match it to be better than it had a right to be in the ring. Uh, I do hope this is it. But before we move on from this, I, I was trying to think of the best, you know, question kind of used for Undertaker without taking up a ton of time. I was going to do best match. So I think instead, who do you think was his greatest rival throughout his, you know, 30-year WWE career? Oh man, I mean, you could go through uh, his matches with HBK, of course, that amazing uh, Hell in a Cell, which will never be replicated. Um, I personally would say um, the authority. And so I guess by extension, the person who would manifest that in the ring would be Triple H. Yeah, I. I think that's a good pick. I mean, they had three Mania matches that, that shows the strength of that rivalry. My initial uh, answer would probably be Mick Foley, uh, just because I think that the most famous Undertaker match of all time is obviously the Hell in a Cell match where, uh, I mean, he, he literally tried to kill Mick Foley, and, or they tried to kill each other, I guess we should say. My God, they broke him in half. It, it was unbelievable. Uh, but I, I guess, though, if I really think about it, because of the storyline and everything involved, it's hard to beat. His brother Kane, I mean, you know, Kane debuted, you know, tearing the, the door off in the Hell in a Cell match, the first one versus Shawn Michaels. That uh, They obviously feuded. They had that match at WrestleMania 14. They eventually became, you know, the Brothers of Destruction, dominated the tag team division, and, and then they fought and on and on and on. And just the fact that, you know, they were actually brothers in WWE storylines, I think that would, you know, probably be the person that he's at least linked with the most. Uh, but, I mean, the great thing about having a 30-year career like The Undertaker has is, I mean, there's so many answers so many that are choices. right. Exactly. Yeah. And I really do. When you get a chance, you should check it out. We may even do a little bit more of a extended discussion about it because it really was awesome to see him kind of give that, you know, view uh, where he he was more open than I could have ever imagined and I think one of the neatest things about The Undertaker and why he's been so successful is like he lived the gimmick for so many years where he wouldn't be out of character anywhere. He wore all black uh, anytime he was in public. He hardly ever said anything. 
And it's just really interesting to hear him talk and, you know, talk about his emotions. He gets choked up a few times. Uh, it's, it's really great. Oh, that sounds awesome. I definitely have to take a look at that further. So, unfortunately, the second thing for our off-the-top rope segment is the COVID issues in WWE, which uh, we've seen rumblings and rumors from talent and people that are employed by WWE that they are not taking this seriously. I'm sure some of y'all have read the report where Kevin Dunn, one of the, the top uh, people in WWE tapings, you know, refused to let anybody wear a mask, uh, despite obviously we know the safety that entails. They, they've they had, we know of, at least three or four people uh, test positive in the last couple of weeks. I know Caleb Braxton, who's got it twice, which that's, that's never yeah. a good sign. <laughs> Renee Young uh, tested positive. And there's also uh, a lot of talk out there that WWE is very strict, that they do not allow or do not want you know, their, their employees telling people if they have this. So will we ever know the true extent of how widespread it is? I don't know. But one thing that I mentioned in the team turnbuckle group, and this is kind of where I want to go with this discussion is I'm really worried that WWE is leading to a, you know, what, what do you call it? Dark side of the ring type. Uh, moment here you know they've had Ric Flair now at three straight tapings I saw him on Raw right before we started to record this Ric Flair is the I mean perfect case for what you would call somebody who would be uh, highly susceptible and uh, very probable that he would die if he caught COVID and they have him around there You, you think of Vince McMahon who's in his late 70s and also tons of employees who, you know, are not on screen, but are either cameraman or, you know, hair and makeup. Like, what is it going to take for WWE to understand this is serious and, you know, treat their employees uh, like the family that they say they are? I don't know, but I tell you what, when you think about all of this, this really makes Roman Reigns um... – Sami Zayn and for the time Bray Wyatt looked really glowing for like saying, Hey, I am not messing with this because I am immunocompromised or I have a loved one at home. Immunocompromised, KO just left for which this I reason. Not. Right. So, um, and it, the main thing that it really concerns me is that if we don't know how widespread it is, we know that they were just starting to, uh, push the envelope on more tapings and especially more people in AEW. I'm just worried about the, will it put the uh, public at risk when they're while doing this? And at the same time, yes. Why aren't you taking care of your family? If you, if that's what they are, I mean, geez, your, your perform your performers are the lifeline of what your business is. So please take care of those people. I mean, they're in a state that it needs to be reminded had 9,000 cases in one day on Friday. Uh, It is, you know, arguably the epicenter now in the United States. And again, I just, I'm really disappointed. And I mean, from a wrestling standpoint, and I'm not trying to make light of the health issues, you look at, you know, John Moxley, who I don't know if he's going to be able to do the Fighter Fest pay-per-view. I'm assuming he's obviously been around Renee Young. We know she tested positive. 
So now he's probably up in the air for whether or not he's going to be participating in Fighter Fest. Wow, I didn't even think about that because that definitely is a strong possibility and takes away. And, you know, this is where real life is really going to affect the on-screen product because, I mean, it already had with uh, War Games with AEW uh, back in March, which I was supposed to be in attendance (laughs) for. (laughs) Oh, my God. So, you know, they... they, I, I really just pray that they start taking this seriously you know let 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 the guys wear a, the, the guys and gals wear a mask you know on television it's not the worst thing you know we understand the situation we're in i mean your show tells us all about the world that we're currently in so them being protective and wearing a mask while they're also social distancing wouldn't be the worst look i completely agree and uh you know let's get this together because i I've mentioned several times on this podcast that I'm very thankful for wrestling, you know, going on during this time when there's not a lot of, you know, live television, live sports, but I don't want to put anybody at risk. And I completely agree with you that for those people that were talking smack, particularly about Roman Reigns, who was the first one, and you got to remember this guy has, you know, overcome leukemia twice, like go to hell. Like he was right. He knew what he was doing, and, and I hope WWE and AEW get it together. I mean, I know they've supposedly done it better, but we need to, you know, make sure all of the, the people that are participating in this are safe. So moving on to Charlotte Flair is now taking a significant leave of absence from WWE. Uh, this was planned all along. She's having a surgery. What was interesting, and we already know Becky Lynch is out uh, as well in WWE for her pregnancy. They, they had an angle where Nia Jax, you know, I- injured Charlotte on the episode of uh, Raw. Or, no, excuse me, that was SmackDown. Oh, it was Raw. I'm sorry. I'm getting them confused. So it was, it was Raw last, last week. Yes. And WWE floated a report that from the Nia Jax injury, uh, you know, Charlotte was having the surgery and be out for some time. We know that. WWE is known for obviously trying to sell injuries as part of storylines. That's not new, but it is kind of interesting, or I guess should I say, are you surprised that they're using Nia Jax because we know her history and the heat she's already taken from a lot of the wrestling community to put that on her. What do you think about that? I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but I, I really don't like it. Um, you know, we've already had discussions here on the podcast about how we worry about uh, what happens with the rest of the talent. We lamented over poor Kyrie Sane for months about being put in dangerous situations. But to use her for something that wasn't related, I really don't like, especially for those who aren't going to be so much reading the headlines or um, you know, reading the dirt sheets or whatever. This is, a, it, it, I don't like the look. And, you know, again, it's a, I'm, I've learned since that we started doing this that I have to uh, keep things on myself and not generalize that, you know, there's a lot of other people who may feel the same as I do. Yeah, I, I agree. I also, it's just not fair to Nia. And I'm not the biggest Nia Jax fan, but. All you have to do is read social media uh, sometimes, particularly, unfortunately, to the women 
uh, in WWE, and it just to me to give them, uh, you know, extra ammo to go after Nia Jax, I really don't think is fair. Um, but before we move on from that, I do want to say that, and we will talk about Sasha and Bailey here in a minute, but if you would think that, you know, they have lost Becky Lynch and Charlotte, uh, and, you know, who knows exactly how long they both will be out. We know Becky's going to be gone at least a year. Charlotte, I'm here in six months. And for me to be so invested in the women's side of the programming, mostly because of Sasha and Bailey. It shows how far the women's division has come because if you took the top two men and did the same thing, I don't think I would be nearly as excited for what's going on. They stories exactly. They have really stepped up. Yeah, totally. And it's kind of almost disappointing that they didn't uh, also, you know, continue with just doing the women's evolution pay-per-view, you know, give the, give the ladies one pay-per-view out of the month. It didn't kill you. You had wound up doing two pay-per-views that year. I believe that was the year of crown Royal. So give the ladies, I mean, they have been doing so much, especially between the NXT and main roster ladies. I mean, Oscar is obviously looking to be the one that they're really going to kind of use to carry the women, but, a lot of the other ladies have also done a lot to at least develop storylines. Hell, I'm even for once in months uh, interested in what's going on with Lana now that she's away from Bobby Lashley and not doing that thing. I will say that they were going to have a queen of the ring this year and the coronavirus has put it on hold. I think it was supposed to take place in Uh June. Uh, but that was uh, on the book. So they were at least to their credit moving towards uh, okay. another women's pay-per-view. And I think that was brilliant because the King of the Rings not working anymore. I think the Queen of the Rings, especially mm-hmm. give it to the right woman, would be a fantastic gimmick. Absolutely. And, and every once in a while you get to put someone who's not one of the horse women or Oscar. Uh, in the spotlight for at least a good half a year. I agree. So NXT announced that they will run against AEW's Fighter Fest, uh, which is, you know, is a pay-per-view basically they're doing on their television weekly program. The main event, which is going to be exciting, is going to be Adam Cole versus Keith Lee, title versus title. We're going Ultimate Warrior versus Hogan, WrestleMania six. This is after... Uh, Keith Lee won a really good match against Johnny Gargano and Finn Balor uh, on the last episode of NXT. My kind of question here is, are they like, what are they setting up here? Because I'm a little surprised that they're they're going title for title where one guy is going to have all the gold on NXT. That's the one thing I'm really not certain as to what they've got planned. Um, I am hoping that it means that at least for a moment or two, they're going to completely strap the rocket ship to Keith Lee before he comes up to the main roster. Because out of all of those that are uh, in NXT, you know, outside of Finn Balor, who's already had success at the, at the big level, I think Keith Lee is ready for prime time. So I'm hoping that that's where they're going. Um, And I do pray that, 
with NXT that they use this um, Great American Bash thing um, in a in a grand grander view uh, than what WWE has uh, pushed forward before. I agree with you there. Part of me thinks that this is going to be that they need to get the belt off of Keith Lee uh, because I think they're going to call him up. I I think they need him on the main roster. I think he can go right up to the main roster without a world title and still be in the main event in, you know, a moment's time. If you're going to lose Adam Cole as the longest reigning champ in, you know, NXT history, it, it makes sense from that premise. And then I also believe that they are going to extract the rocket ship to carrying cross. And maybe that's what they're trying to set up is Adam Cole will have all the gold. He's unstoppable. The man on top of NXT. And then he just gets absolutely steamroll by carrying cross who I think they're going to, you know, try to make the next big thing. Mm, I could see that. And um, it would be Adam Cole does get to come full circle because he was indeed the first North American champion. That's fair. I didn't even think about that. So, uh, an interesting thing happened on Raw last week. Dolph Ziggler was apparently part of the trade for AJ uh, AJ Styles, the SmackDown. Remember the wrestler to be named later, which kudos to them. That was pretty funny because there are trades in the NFL where that happens. Uh, What was interesting was the fact that he is – Came out, interrupted Drew McIntyre, and he is now slated to face him at Extreme Rules. Are you excited about this? Because these guys have some history. You know, Dolph was obviously the guy who brought McIntyre back uh, after he was let go by WWE, came back, had a great NXT run, and then was brought up. Do you think this is a good fit? I do, actually. And um, this is where I will also give a kudos to WWE for – doing something that I can appreciate with Dolph Ziggler because uh, for a while there, they did kind of seem to job him out. And I like how they used um, that, not only that trade clause, but the fact that it is um, Drew McIntyre, the guy he brought back, uh, the guy who Drew even dropped during that uh, segment, gave him his nickname, the Scottish psychopath. And Again, we have another really good star for uh, for Drew to go over. So, yeah, I'm really excited, and I, I'm sure it's going to make for a fantastic match. Yeah, I always like to give WWE credit when they, you know, have storylines that make sense. This makes sense. You know, I mean, Dolph is being a heel, obviously, and the fact that he did have a lot to do with getting Drew back you know, making him relevant in WWE as a heel. Obviously, he wants credit for that. And more importantly, again, they're still trying to build Drew up. Dolph is one of the best sellers in the world uh, to the point that I've been telling you on the AEW show a lot that this is why Sammy needs to stop selling so well is when you are a great seller, (laughs) you will lose because you make other guys look so great. Uh, And so Dolph is is perfect for this spot. And, uh, you know, good for them because this is a pay-per-view that's kind of being thrown together. This is a match that's fresh, and I'm excited to see. Yeah, I am totally excited, and you know, hopefully, it'll segue into something great. Who knows? It may even uh, be able to last long enough for them to uh, drag it towards um, SummerSlam. 
So the best part of wrestling right now is without a doubt Sasha and Bailey. They retain their tag titles on Raw against the Iconics. Then Sasha cut a promo that was just a masterclass in storytelling. Like kudos to Sasha WWE. She was talking about how she wanted to be a dual champion. And the expressions and looks that Bailey and Sasha gave during this was great. You know, she said she loved how, you know, you know, Bailey had the two belts and how she would kind of want them. And, and it really made you think, oh my God, like she's about to challenge Bailey. And then instead she challenged Asuka, which I will admit I was completely did not see that. I should have. It was raw. It makes sense. But it was a great segment. Asuka, of course, being the fighting champion, she accepted. That's going to be one of the other main events at Extreme Rules. Do you think we're heading to a Sasha win and then her and Bailey having all the women's titles uh, for their eventual winner-take-all match that we know is coming somewhere? I won't say in the near future, but in the future. That I would so love to see, even though I would be upset that the title comes off of Asuka it would just put so much more into this story. Like, I know that it seems like lately we're going back and forth with, we're frustrated, we want it to come to a head. But now all of a sudden, between what they did with Charlotte, uh, what they did with uh, the New Day, and what they did with um, the tag titles just recently, people keep throwing seeds of dissent in there, and yet they keep fighting through. And I was so like, oh, yes, Sasha, do it yep. now. And it got me. I, I should have saw it coming, but it got me too. So I thought it was fantastic. So I would love to see something like a, a Grand Slam kind of thing. I mean, title v. title for the women's championship. I mean, we haven't... I, well, that's what I was going to tell you. This is why this is important. Normally, I would disagree with something like this, but every big thing in the WWE's women's division has either gone to Charlotte or Becky. And this is something that Sasha or Bailey could claim and tout forever. I had all the titles at once, and it will remind me a lot of Chris Jericho, who for years after they had gone back to split championships or even had one championship, he still always said I was the first undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. And that's why I think this is the right move, especially with both Charlotte and Becky, you know, out of the picture for a while. I think this would be brilliant booking. I'm with you. I don't know if they're going to do it because it would be a shame to Oscar who again, would kind of lose her title to a bigger storyline. But I hate to say it, it worked with Becky. And I think it would work here. So I'd actually be okay with it. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I, I have to agree with you here. Uh, and only, I, it's only unfortunate exactly. because I love Oscar yep. so much. And it's just, unfortunately, you're at the wrong place at the wrong time now twice. So I'm really excited to see that moving forward. The last thing for the off the top rope uh, that I want to discuss was it was announced. We knew that Braun and Bray uh, were going to have more unfinished business. They are now going to have a match at Extreme Rules. It'll be a non-title cinematic match. 
Now, the reason this is interesting is I don't think we've discussed since that SmackDown issue uh, episode two weeks ago. Bray came back as the original Bray Wyatt, basically telling Braun that in order to beat Braun, he had to be the man who created Braun. I thought it was an excellent promo. I'm very excited about this. Does this make sense to you that they're going to have this kind of match and it's going to be a non-title match? No, it totally makes sense, especially if it's going to resemble the Funhouse match from WrestleMania, because you assume that with it being uh, cinematic, that there will be some uh, elements that will draw from off of their old story during the match. Um, I love it because I didn't like the fact that they just made that go away so quickly and at least Bray uh, did take his shot at the title, but now it's just... Now, now I'm just going to take your soul back. I love how, you know, their story has come full circle once again. And so I am all for this. I am too. And the, the biggest complaint I heard some people say with the first cinematic match was the fact that it wasn't a match. So for those people, it makes sense to not have this a title match, obviously, because you can't lose a title in something like this. So I think they're moving in the right direction there. And from everything I've read on like dirt report sheets and stuff, Bray Wyatt is going to have a ton of input into this match, just like he did with the Firefly where Uh, John Cena uh, said that this is your match. You tell me what you want to do. I'm in. I'm very excited about this. I think it's going to be great. And there's already some good matches on this card. So a lot like with WrestleMania, it's going to be nice to kind of have something different, whether it be in the middle, near the end, wherever. But I'm totally on board for it. 